Thank you for tuning in episode 22 of the Keto Matrix podcast. This is one of the first episodes we will ever released where we do a manufacturer highlight. I don't know how many times you personally have walked into a store, picked up a product or searched online only to find out it was full of garbage and it was totally keeping you from the goals you had set for your ketogenic journey. Well, I'm tired of it. It drives me absolutely insane. And Britt and I really wanted to do something where we could help show you guys what we use, why we use it, and the heart behind the people that stand behind the products created. The first feature is going to be with Ross Taylor of F-Bomb. Brittany and I have the pleasure of asking Ross everything about F-Bomb, where it started, how it started, where they are now, what they're doing, what the product line offerings are, and why he had a heart for creating something like a macadamia nut butter to begin with, or what is a macadamia nut butter. We talk about it all. So lean in, enjoy the episode, and just realize here at the Keto Matrix Podcast, we're going to do everything we possibly can to make it easy to stay on your ketogenic journey because of the information and the things provided to help you along the way. If it resonates with you or anyone else, please like, share, subscribe, and rate five stars. We appreciate you and thank you for being the best part of the keto matrix podcast let's jump into the episode the keto matrix podcast where myths are busted science is explained and the keto lifestyle is discussed by industry experts and everyday people alike for more information and support go to the keto now let's jump into our latest episode Brittany, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, fantastic. I think I'm doing better than you are, because if I remember correctly, the last thing you told me here recently was that you got a speeding ticket. Ah, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Uh, yes, yes, that happened this afternoon. So your afternoon is probably going a little bit better than mine. But overall, I can't complain. Uh, I was visiting a friend, had a good visit. So the okay. rest of the drive was fine. All right. So where were you at? Where were you headed? And where did you get the ticket? Um, so I was somewhere like getting ready to come into the Asheville area. Uh, I was coming from Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, visiting a friend, and I was behind a semi, and all of a sudden there were blue lights behind me, and I pulled over, and it was for me. So It was for you. It was an invitation to <laughs> reach to the side of the, the highway and hang out. Yeah, it was how, a good how, thing, though. You know, I had just organized my glove box, so my up-to-date registration was right there on top. It was perfect. How fast were you going? I was going 74 and a 60. 74 and a 16. 14 over. That's absolutely horrible. All right, so listen, no, no judgment here but were you going downhill i know you was like, the mountains. I was going downhill yeah it was like in the part where it's up and down which is why it was 60 to begin with instead of 65 or 70 where it is everywhere else through that like how before cl- and after it but how close were you following the semi pretty close that was part of the problem too close enough that maybe it wasn't you that he clocked i don't know how that works so i mean i know i was speeding so there's no point in arguing it um but that's very nice of you. Was this a state trooper or sheriff's deputy? It was a state trooper and he was very kind. Like he wasn't, there's some that I've had pull me over that have been a little bit less than pleasant, but he was very kind and it was um, very focused on the point of the speed limit and everything is to get me back to Charlotte safely. So I love it. Well, I'm glad that that happened. Well, I'm not glad that it happened. I'm glad that you're taking it so graciously and that you were still able to rush back for this podcast. Right. So... Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Now, into other things. This is going to be the absolute first podcast that we've had this done. Um, There's one other podcast where we kind of talked to and spoke with someone that does some kind of manufacturing, but this is going to be an ongoing um, segment where we actually get the honor and pleasure of having someone that has done the horrible work of starting a business that is to help benefit other people beyond themselves. Um, And I really want to be able to showcase the heart behind the manufacturing of what they're doing, how they're doing it 
because I feel like all of us go into stores and spend money. I know I do. And it's really nice to spend money and know exactly where it's going, who it's benefiting and kind of how it all came about. I feel like we too often, especially here in the U.S., um, see a product on a shelf. We pick it up. We purchase it. We eat it. And we lose sight of the fact that somebody is losing sleep over making sure you're enjoying that product and or, um, you know, putting a product out that can benefit and really help your life. So having said that, I can't believe it, but I don't want to drop an F-bomb <laughs> on the air, <laughs> but we are honored to have Ross on with F-bomb to kind of talk about what you do, why you do it, how you got to doing it and all that stuff. But before we get into any of that, Ross, why don't we talk a little bit about you, man? Who are you? Who are you and Kara? Why are you why are you here? And I don't mean here like on this episode. You're here because you're gracious enough to entertain us, but here as far as like life, what's your what was your purpose? How did you how did you get to where you are now? Well, thank you. And uh, first off, Brittany, I wouldn't have written you until 20 over, but thank you. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't going to say that. We live in North Carolina. We're not even going to go down the fact that I've got pulled for five over and I was like, are you serious? <laughs> wow, that's harsh. That's harsh. Uh, no, my first career, I was a police officer in the city of Phoenix. I spent seven and a half years as a motor officer there. So I, I worked in traffic. I did traffic enforcement. And even within the city, you know, it was pretty much 20 over or more. So yeah, uh, kudos to you for taking that very graciously. But yeah, thank you uh, both Brittany and Neo for letting me be here. Uh, sorry, Kara can't be, but we, you know, we started a food manufacturing business, obviously with no food background. My background was law enforcement. Kara's worked in wildlife biology and as an accountant, uh, but we both have been living a keto and paleo kind of clean life, you know, no artificial or non-caloric sweeteners, trying to avoid processed things, junk, things you can't pronounce. And I was working the last 10 years in wind energy, traveling to Japan or India or, you know, the Midwest U.S. Uh, every month I was going somewhere for a week or two or longer. And being long-term keto, you know, I kind of know what I can and can't eat. But some of the places I was traveling, it was difficult to find enough fat. You can always find proteins, meats, sushi in Japan, you can get veggies for the healthy carbs, but getting enough fat was a challenge. And we started making our own things because a lot of the, you know, portable keto-friendly, like shelf-stable products are what we would call keto junk food, you know, the chemical junk storm. I know Allie Miller likes to use a different <laughs> term for that. Uh, you're a family-friendly podcast, so we won't do that. But We do, we do yeah, try to so, keep it that way. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, that's good. Uh you know, so we started making stuff for me to take with me when I was traveling. I've been doing keto for about 27 years since before it was cool and uh, realized that if we couldn't find what we wanted out in the marketplace, that there might be a market for that. And as my daughter, who's 11, uh, was getting older, my desire to travel and be gone diminished. And, you know, we thought, hey, let's start a business. So we put our savings into buying some equipment. You know, the typical route is... Uh, you would find a co-packer and they would make you a bunch of stuff and then you'd sell it. But we wanted to control the quality and the ingredients and not use just the, the stuff off their food engineers, you know, shelf. So we bought our own grinding equipment, our own packaging equipment, set up a small 400 square foot commercial kitchen space and you know, launched October 15th of 2015. So pretty recently, really, just a little over three years ago. Wow. Okay. So I, I love all that. I think that insight was absolutely great. But as I like to do, I want to rewind back to when you were a motor cop riding around in Phoenix hot and decided, you know what, maybe I should try keto. How did that all happen? I mean, I, I will tell you my biggest pet peeve for every, every and any law enforcement officer listening or any first responder for that matter. If you're fat and overweight, hit me up. 
because I, I want to change that. It drives me absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, like if, if you can't still PT, we need, we need to talk. So, but seriously though, how did 27 years ago, um, how did that happen? Why did you decide to go keto? And it was definitely before it was cool. I mean, it's not like it came up on your Instagram feed, right? So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not even Snapchat. No, whatever it was back then. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, you know, there are a lot of shifts where you can't eat and knowing that you're not going to have that blood sugar crash. Of course, I didn't know that going into it. I, started keto through the Atkins diet program. And that came about after my dad had passed away. My dad and his two brothers were all three MDs. They're all doctors. They all had diabetes. Uh, After my dad passed away, my uncle, who was still practicing at Johns Hopkins at the time, where they developed the ketogenic diet really as a treatment for childhood epilepsy, uh, he talked to me about you know diabetes and this runs in our family. And he ended up, uh, he was type 2, but ended up with type 1 diabetes and with a pancreas and kidney transplant. So he was pretty serious. And he told me about low carb and I was looking and researching. He gave me an Atkins book. And you know the first couple of weeks of the Atkins diet is really keto. And then after that, they allow you to bump up your carbs. And I did that and I didn't feel as good after I bumped up the carbs. So I went back to that first two week period, you know, 20, 30, 40 grams of carbs a day. And I felt good. And I kept asking my, my uncle, you know, was there a problem with this? If Is there any reason I couldn't stay like this where I felt really good? And he said, no, I think it's a better way to eat actually. And, uh, that's what got me into it. So I've been predominantly keto for all of that time. You know, I have moved out. I, I experiment a lot. I've tried, uh, you know, cyclical ketogenic and that just gives me diarrhea and gas. And then so, you know, and I don't feel as good. So I just realized I feel good if I stay, you know, low keto, uh, you know, one, one and a half millimolars. If I'm testing, I don't test very often, but you know, I experiment a lot and I felt good doing that. And it seems to have worked out well for me. I love it. So 27 years ago, when you were telling people, yeah, you know, hold the bun and, you know, I don't want French fries and people looked at you like you were crazy. How did you respond to that? Because I feel like that's something that I don't know, most most can relate to. I really could care less if people I couldn't care less. Yeah. Let me make sure that's proper. Um, <laughs> if people look at me like I'm crazy, but I know a lot of people are like, oh, I can't do this for too long because people look at me weird. I Yeah, no, I get that. I've been called a freak a lot, but you know, most of the people knew kind of why I was doing it and they saw success. I was never overweight. In fact, my weight, now I'm 57 and my weight's about the same as it was back then. I'm 165, 168. I don't really fluctuate. You know, for meals, like you said, I would you know, go through the Jack in the Box drive through and get the burger with cheese and hold the bun or go to the convenience store and get the string cheese. But, you know, I try to kind of prepare and pack things, bring jerky, low sugar jerky, which is hard to find, but we'd make our own jerky and stuff. And yeah, you know, you get called a freak, but you smile inside because, you know, you feel better. And yeah, I've, I've got no issues with diabetes. I had telomere testing done a few months ago and it, 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 it put me in the you know, the group with the 39 year olds, which I think is pretty good. Nice. You said telomere and all I could think of was uh, Jillian Michaels. I hope she's listening to this podcast and thinking to herself, she should change things up. <laughs> you know, Danny Vega just posted about that yesterday. And yeah, we're uh, we're Jillian Michaels free zone here. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I had to, I've seen it. It's, you know, we're talking about Instagram. It's been all over my feed now and it just keeps coming up and 
Um, yeah, but I was like, no one even talks about telomere. And so the fact that we're talking about telomere testing now, I guess, is why it's on my feed. But cool. So 27 years ago, you're you're doing what people haven't done before and embracing the freak, which I think is great. I feel, I feel like more people need to embrace the crazy. Um, and so now as you've made that change, you made that transition, you're working in wind energy. What did your schedule look like? I mean, how much were you traveling? Um, what were your responsibilities? I mean, were you in sales? Like, how did, how did that work out? What were you doing? I... So after my police career, I moved up here to Flagstaff and I ended up doing training and project management for a wind turbine company. And so since they couldn't bring the turbines to me, I had to go where they are. I, you know, I was traveling all the time. I was traveling three weeks a month. I'd go to India for four, five, six. One of my trips to India was there seven and a half weeks. Uh, so pretty much on the road all the time trying to eat keto and eat healthy while I'm out and about. And that was, that was the challenge that led to this. So, I mean, I, I traveled a ton when I first started this whole keto lifestyle and the transition. And I remember certain airports, I was like, yes, this is great. They have everything I need. Other airports, I was thinking, why, why don't you have anything right now other than black coffee that I can consume and and enjoy? So, um, as you're, as you're doing this, were you finding yourself, you know, kind of cycling the carbs in, or would you just go without a meal if you were someplace where you couldn't eat? I would go without a meal, but of course, you know, that it's pretty easy to do that if you're keto. I mean, I couldn't imagine going from being a carbivore to, to fasting and trying to, you know, you're going through that, you deplete your glycogen and everything, and now you're just feeling like junk and, and you're not eating. But if you're pretty fat adapted, not eating is really not a big issue. But if I, you know, I, I discovered some tricks, like every Starbucks in the world has heavy cream. You know, I have posted on our Instagram uh instructions in Japanese. So you could hold that picture up to the barista in Japan and, you know, get a double tall heavy cream latte and they've got them in India. And so, you know, you can go there and get a a 400 calorie bolus of fat if you're not dairy intolerant or, you know, get uh, the the dried squid in in Korea or wherever, (laughs) you know, but I, I just try to avoid the, the bread and the the grains and everything. And if I have to skip meals, fasting is, is not an issue. We do, Karen and I both do regular, probably four times a year, you know, we'll do longer fast, like a three to five day fast just to play around. Love it. I love it. And I, I really think the preface of me walking you down that rabbit hole is just so that people that are listening with the excuses of the fact that they travel, which literally drives me insane, is to say, stop making excuses, skip a meal and wait until you can find something that you can eat. It doesn't mean that you need to go have a TCBY Sunday because you couldn't find, you know, whatever it was that you're looking for. Because I think that's, I don't know, way, way too often too common. People are like, oh, you know, I travel a lot, so I can't eat keto. Like, what do you mean? Okay, so cool. Thank you for that. Well, I think, you know, a lot of eating is habit too. Uh, and if you are eating a carb-based diet, you know, you get hungry and then you have a pretty strong physical reaction. Every People joke about being hangry. But I find that when I am fat adapted and keto, I don't get that response. I might get a little gnawing in my stomach and I think oh, it'd be kind of good to eat some food now, but it doesn't change my my personality or my energy level. I was climbing towers, you know, as part of my job, I was climbing wind turbine towers and doing them fasted and it was never a challenge. I love you know, it. So I think, you know, keto, I think one of the most important things it does is it gives you control over your your appetite. Agreed. Agreed. I think that, so, you know, it's funny is I, I, 
on uh, episode three, I think we talked about macros and I feel like listening to everything you're saying, I'm like, yeah, these are these are some of the hidden benefits that people don't realize beyond the I came to keto because I wanted to lose weight. And I'm like, yes, your energy levels, the ability to skip meals, the ability to, you know, really be able to sustain a consistency with how you feel, how you perform, how you function. Um, you know, I remember doing a canine seminar actually in uh, Sacramento on carbs and taking a red eye flight back on Monday and having to, having to work. And I thought I was going to die. Um, and then the next time I was out there, which was, I think, a year later, I was on keto and I had the same red eye back and it, it didn't didn't skip a beat It was or miss a beat, I should say. It was absolutely fantastic. And that's just, you know, one of those things. I'll work tonight. I'll probably get home and get to sleep at like 430 or so this morning. And, you know, I won't I won't ever have to worry about a crash, you know, like my energy levels stay consistently up, which is great. And I feel like those are some of the things that for me are why I've continued and why I will continue. And I think that, you know, speaking to those things is great. Brittany, I'm looking at you and I realize Ross and I could probably just keep talking and keep talking. And I'm still stuck on dried squid, honestly. <laughs> when he said that, I was like, oh, I got to know what that tastes like. In why? my head, it doesn't sound good, but I like calamari, so maybe it would be good. I don't know. Is it like a It tastes jerky? like dried squid. Yeah, it mm, is. Okay, so. uh, you know, at the, the little roadside stands in Korea, they sell just hammered dried squid. It's a pack. Does it smell it, fishy? It looks like jerky. Yes. Okay, so yeah, no, that's not what calamari is like. So nope, I'm probably out on that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm, I'm gonna, thinking I'm gonna skip I'm like, that meal. So the only thing I can, I'm, I'm thinking salted fish because I've seen salted fish that have been like thinned out and rolled out. I don't know that I could do. Well, listen, I guess I could do whatever I needed to. If I had to eat dried squid, it'd be better than like I don't know some type of insect. So, it, so it's yeah, you know, like you say, you know, you do what you got to do, and I I experiment a lot, so I'm willing to try those things. But you know, in India, you get the curry and just skip the the naan, the bread that comes with it. Oh, and, naan. you know, there's a, there can be a lot of fat in there. And, yeah, it's good is, stuff. Yes, I, I agree. I think that's awesome. Go ahead, Brittany. You're going to say something. Um, I was just going to ask, well, besides I was going to say naan's the best part, not just because it's bread, but it's just naan. So good job for you. Um, but did Kara start at the same time you did or how did she kind of come about to it? No, she started, she came in through CrossFit and Paleo, um, and started that probably five or six years ago. Uh, she started eating paleo, just clean, real food. Uh, and, you know, when I first told her about how I got into the ketogenic lifestyle and I told her about the Atkins book, she, like everybody else, thought, oh, fad. And you think of the Atkins junk food bars on the shelf in the store. And when I gave her the book and had her read it, she realized it's really fact-based. It's well, you know, well-documented. It is just a, you know, it's an advocacy book. Ladies and gents, we lost Ross temporarily. I think that he will be back here shortly, but I will say that I am, there we go. He's back. See, look at that. Did your headphones die? Because I was worried about that happening for me. We were talking about the fact that you went through some changes, transitions. Kara looked at it from paleo. She was reading through Atkins and realized that there's really factual information in there. And maybe she should give it a go. Exactly. You know, she knew how I felt and uh, she likes it. You know, so it's worked out well for her. She's got... uh, pretty strong gluten intolerance. So she, she learned a long time ago that the glutens don't like her. And so, you know, that keto is in a lot of ways an elimination diet, you're getting rid of junk. And then just doing that with a real food, whole food focus is, I I think that's a big part of the benefit. I, I am very much a fan of keto, so don't get me wrong, but I think part of the benefit is just getting rid of processed junk, getting rid of, you know, uh, sugars, getting rid of gluten and grain and, you know, 
that may have a big, big part of the beneficial impact. No, I agree. I actually just posted something last night on my story and it was two yogurts I was holding up and or I think my wife was holding them up. Either way, I took the picture. I posted it. Okay, so I digress. And there's ingredients and the nutrition facts. And I basically was like, you know, which one do you think is the better option? And the majority of people, thankfully, that follow me do pay attention. They picked the one on the left, which was there was two ingredients listed, but it had some sugar and there was one gram of carb more than the other one. But the alternative um, was, you know, one gram less of carbs, uh, two gram, three grams less of sugar. But it had a bunch of things I couldn't mention. I, could, I couldn't pronounce them. I didn't know what they were in the ingredients. And I was just like, why? Like, I don't want to put that in my body. I don't know what they are. So why eat them? And I'll bet I can guess the, the brand that uh, you liked, because there's one out there that I just love. You know, I don't know your policy on brands, so I won't say that. But, you know, no, say a, it. I, I'm, I'm all open. Maybe they'll come on the podcast, the, too. Yeah. Peak trickle, triple cream. I almost said trickle. Peak Triple cream yogurt. It is all natural, thick, fatty, just good stuff. Um, yeah. I would love I don't to say that. Them, it was I peak. don't sell them. Yeah. No, that'd be. I, listen, I haven't actually had Peak yet. I just had that conversation. Uh, I think I need to order it because they don't carry it anywhere local that I have found so far in Charlotte. But I will. I will check that out. It, so it wasn't Peak. Uh, it were just two brands I found in Whole Foods. Um, one of them was a very popular brand. And the other one was less popular from a local farm. But either way, and I don't, if, yeah. I would totally say the name, but I don't remember what it was. Um, so cool. But now I, I just remember thinking when we first spoke, Ross, you were telling me about your travels and trying to figure out how to get clever with bringing your fats with you. And I've thought many a time when I traveled and I used to bring a, a gallon sized freezer bag packed with, you know, like beef sticks and MCTs and some of the things that I know I would need while I traveled. How did that work out for you? And, and when did you think, you know what, I've got to make this easier for myself um, to travel and eat the fat I want? Like, how did how did that all come together? And do you have any crazy experiences or stories of being rejected by TSA or having something even better happen? No, we've got the luggage disaster story. So, you know, when we started, we would go to the, the local craft store and get what were really little, tall, skinny Ziploc bags designed for you know, people selling jewelry and, you know, he'd put oils in those coconut oil, a blend of coconut and other oils, MCT oil. Then I'd put it in a bigger bag and it would it would still leak. And I had one of those that basically exploded in my luggage and ended up throwing out a pair of jeans. I had oil all over them and couldn't wash it out because, of course, I'm trying to wash it in the bathtub with shampoo in the hotel. And, you know, needed some strong virgin. I learned and started putting these little packs inside a Nalgene bottle and screw the top shut and put that in my luggage. And it protected it pretty well. But that's what started this whole journey into, you know, making the packs that we we wanted a pack that I could stand on. You know, put it down in the parking lot on the asphalt and stand on it. My, you know, Doc Martens with a, a rough sole and know that it wasn't going to burst. And so that was kind of our, our first actual design criteria. <laughs> I love that. So are you telling me if I were to take a pack, one of the F-bombs, let's say the chocolate flavor and stand on it, it won't it won't bust? We have done that numerous times. I've had them down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and back out and stood on them and yeah, we That's we awesome. test all the packs. We actually run every pack that comes off the machine through a pressure roller. So, you know, just to test the seal integrity. Man, that's OK. So. All right. We're here now. Let's talk about it. So how did how did your <laughs> I'm in a 400 square foot commercial kitchen turn into a pressure roller and testing packs for seal pressure? Like how did how did that all evolve? And, and you know, 
Give us some of the the headaches and and the triumphs in between that challenge. Uh, so again, this was late, you know, 2015, and Karen and I both had full time jobs. Uh, she was working for an online internet company as their accountant, so she had some flexibility. Uh, I was traveling and was more the production person, and we ordered pouches. So you know, the, the typical route, like I said, you go to a co manufacturer, you tell them, I want to I want to make a product. And they'll give you all the stuff and they'll put it in packaging and you buy 200,000 of them and then you sell them. But we didn't have the money to buy 200,000 of anything. We didn't want to just launch with one item, you know, a packet of coconut oil. So we found a, a pouch manufacturer that would make custom pouches for us with a pretty small order quantity. We could get like 10,000 pouches, but we couldn't get 10,000 of four different varieties. And each one has a different you know, set of print rollers and three different colors. So it can get expensive quickly. So our first pouches, if you look at them, and we saved some for kind of posterity, have a blank spot on the front and the back where we got clear labels. And if you bought one of those early packets of coconut oil or macadamia nut oil or whatever, if you feel it, there's a, a label on it, a clear label front and back that just designates the variety and has the nutrition info. And that was our hobby putting labels on packets and then filling packets. And, you know, we would make enough so that when I was gone for two weeks in Japan, Kara could fill orders while I was gone. But there were several times where she's got the phone propped up against the wall and the hairnet and all on, and I'm guiding her through on FaceTime or Skype. And, okay, now push this button and put the pack under the nozzle. And she had to fill like 10 extra boxes of packets and, Wow. It was some crazy times. Uh, I, I and then, love of course, that. Some of, these, some of these trips, I'd be over there for two weeks and the project wasn't going on schedule. So they'd tell me I had to stay an extra week. And we, we relied on a lot of patients. We gave a lot, a lot of product away, you know, because we were late on getting some of the orders out. So we'd include an extra box. You know, just maintaining that goodwill was important. And fortunately, people seemed to understand. But yeah, there's, there were some scrambles. Uh, we were doing this around our full-time jobs. Uh, it wasn't until January of 2017 that we left our full-time jobs. So I want to just pause there for a second. So you started 2015 and two years of grinding before you decided you'd step away and then do this full-time. Correct. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I feel like sometimes too often we forget that, you know, <laughs> At the end of the day, I don't care what, what the profit margins are for anything. If you start your own business, the majority of what you're doing ahead of time is a labor of love because you're not you're not making anything yet. You know, it's like the life quality that you have and trying to get these things done is it's just it's not what everyone thinks. I feel like people look at business owners and they're like, Oh, you own a business, that's fantastic. You must have the best work life in the world. And it's like, no, it's it's work constantly, it's work twenty four seven and you know, you, you have to have a passion for it, which is fantastic. It, yeah, that's so true. You know, and we were self-funded. We were we bought the equipment and paid for the lease on the, the kitchen space out of our own you know savings. And so uh, we kind of had to fund things as we went. And to do that, we had to keep working as well. But, you know, there comes a point. Everybody says, you know, you, your business won't really grow until you're 100% invested in it. And that is true. And I, you know... I don't want to get all woo-woo, but there was certainly some karmic feedback happening when we both decided that, okay, we're going into this full-time. Things happened and changed even though we hadn't yet, you know, if you say, okay, this opportunity is going to present itself because now I'm putting 100% effort in and going out and 
after a couple of weeks of pounding the pavement or making calls, you know, we get this opportunity. But it just seemed that right along contemporaneously with us making that change, things just came together. Crazy. Maybe it is a little woo-woo. No, I think it's great. I mean, Brittany, go ahead and say it. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that that's, that's what we find often in life is when you kind of like take that jump. Um, and I think that's part of why that's always out there, that until you're 100% into something, you don't see some of those true gains from it. And there's just something about that, taking that leap of faith and the reward that comes with that. And yeah, it's I mean, been rewarding. It really has. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, I feel like anything that's not done with with faith doesn't get nearly the same reward, um, you know, and, and there has to be a little bit of a fear factor involved with that where you just you jump all in. And uh, I feel like the faithful are always rewarded. So that's absolutely fantastic. I love that. Um, those are the kind of things, you know, again, I started this whole podcast with you're the first manufacturer we've had on that's manufacturing anything. And if no one gets anything from this this podcast or ever having a manufacturer on what I want them to do is go into their, I don't know, vitamin shop, their GNC, wherever they're going to pick up your F-bomb, Amazon. And I want them to think of you and Kara on the phone, Skyping or FaceTiming and her <laughs> having to put labels on thinking, how in the world are we paying bills and why are we doing this? Um, because you should have been home. I should be working and I shouldn't be over here taking, you know, pre-made labels and sticking them on packages to get out. Those are the things I feel like for me, I know at least, you know, I will never ever have an F-bomb packet without one standing on it thinking, wow, this thing won't bust. And, and two, <laughs> thinking about how far it's come, um, you know, from where it was to where it is now. I mean, that's just, that's such a testament to, you know, your faith in it and your, your discipline and persistence to get it out. That's just, that's so cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, we've gone from just the two of us doing it part-time to now we've got, I think, 16 of us here. Uh, you know, we're running two shifts, but Kara and I are still involved. I was answering a question on Amazon just before our call. A quick side note, every week somebody asks why three plus two equals four, uh, because on our salted chocolate macadamia nut pack, there are three grams of fiber and two grams of sugar and then four total grams. People are like, what? That doesn't add up. You know, they think I'm bad at math. But, you know, 1.5, we have to round up to two. The FDA won't let us put fractions in there. And 2.5, we have to round up to three. But when you add those together, it's only four. It just makes us look like we can't add but yeah, we're very much involved answering those kinds of questions and talking to people every day. Do you so have one that you like that? You just copy and paste. You're like, this is my answer for how <laughs> three plus two equals four. You know, actually, no, because those they're on Amazon and I try to mix it up a bit. So, you know, sometimes I'll say, hey, it's it's FDA math. It's like new math or, you know, I don't know. I just write them free form. Look at that. So on Amazon, you're the one responding to the questions. Yeah, myself or Kara or, you know, somebody here. But yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. Often, often it's us. Yeah. Very cool. We are involved. So now, OK, so two questions. My first question is, I feel like I should break this down one question at a time because Brittany can attest to the fact that I get very long winded sometimes. And then people are like, wait, what was your question? Um, so first question if you had to sell someone that was about to start any kind of business, whether it be manufacturing some type of a, a service, whatever, uh, and they were going to do it now, is is there anything specific that you would tell them that they should be aware of, look out for, or keep in mind? I think the most important thing is to find a business that meets your own personal need. And that's no original bit of advice, but 
if we decided, if we were doing a lot of market research and decided to jump into a business just because there was a trend or a fad, I don't think we'd have the heart and the passion and the patience and the, you know, the willingness to kind of risk our, our savings. Since I couldn't find what I wanted to eat, I thought, you know, that's, there's a personal need there and, and I can't be the only one out there. I can't be the only freak in the room. So no, I love that. You know, I think now, that's great. Now, Kara, I, you know, we've had this conversation. I asked Kara, I said, so someday if, you know, somebody asks you, how do you, what's your bit of business success advice? It's got a slightly different wording, but she would just say, don't screw it up. You know, we have uh, DFIU on the board here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if something's going good and your formulas are good, don't screw it up. Don't get tempted to, to add some preservative because somebody tells you it's necessary. If it's not, don't be tempted to add a thickener. You know, like our, our macadamia nut butters, the oil and the, the solids will separate out. They're natural. So we tell people, you know, mix it all up. Now, every now and then we'll get a pretty negative, nasty review because somebody didn't do that. And, you know, we feel bad for them, but we also don't want to put thickeners in there. We don't want to change what we're doing. And so not screwing up something that's good, I think, is just a big, big bit of advice that works for us. And we'll say this, the very first F-bomb packet I ever had, it was the chocolate macadamia formula. And yeah. I was at a canine seminar, and one of the guys I was working the seminar with gave me this F-bomb. And I was like, okay, cool. And I will say, when I opened it, I didn't mix it. I was just like, sure, I'm going to love it. And and I got a little bit on my, my bite suit, my brand new bite suit, right? Like this is this is a suit that I, I mean, I had worn it. Maybe I worked, you know, 30 dogs that morning. And I'm looking at it. And the only thing I thought to myself was, man, how can I get this off my suit and into my mouth? <laughs> it was like, it was so good. It was, it was incredible. I, I was so good. I actually cut the rest of the pack open so that I could get everything else out of it. Um, so, I mean, it is what it is. You, 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 you live, you learn and you continue, but um, that, that's, that's great advice. I think everyone can reference what DFIU means. And uh, if they can't use your imagination. Don't mess it up. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So what else do you guys, I mean, I know you have your, your, your F-bomb nut butter, because I've said that now a million times. What else do you guys make and how did the other product lines come in? We actually started with the oils uh, because they were a little easier, lower bar to entry there, you know. Uh, So we started with coconut oil. We import from a little family run place down in Colima, Mexico, way down near Mexico City and on the coast there. Uh, We tried every single coconut oil we could find. And, you know, some are pretty good and some have a a fairly bitter taste and then some have very little taste. We just really liked this brand, this story. And so we import from there directly. Uh, We had an MCT oil, which is kind of our most controversial. You know, we talk a lot about eating clean and then we have this fractionated MCT oil, but we use it. So again, it goes back to we're making what we use it wasn't until about a year in that we started doing the macadamia nut butters as a product for sale. And now we've got a, a cheese crisp product that uh, we're not making, but we are working with a small family-run place to make those for us to our specs. It's all natural. We're doing the same with a, a meat product too, you know, Ooh. something that's all natural, no hormones or anything. Haven't haven't checked out the meat product yet, but let's. Oh, it's not out again. yet. 
Maybe, oh, in fact, okay. maybe I'm premature and telling the world about that. But no, it'll be coming out pretty soon. They are delicious. And again, it's it's stuff that we'll eat. You know, we don't we don't use any non-caloric sweeteners. So like the chocolate pack you mentioned earlier that got on your bite suit, that one is naturally sweetened. It's sort of our most controversial product. But, you know, some people wish we had stevia in there or erythritol and we just prefer to avoid those. So it's so, naturally sweetened kind of the way we want. Yeah, I, I love that. And yeah, for anyone, I, I feel like I hope this wasn't the first episode you listened to. Um, but I, I talk about that all the time as far as I prefer natural sweeteners. I'm not a fan of stevia. I'm not a fan of erythritol. Uh, I'm not a fan of any of the other sweeteners that are out there that people put names on, uh, especially since a lot of them are from derivatives of things that we can't process in the first place. So kudos for that. That was definitely one of the you know, when people, I get people that send me stuff all the time and they say, you know, is this keto friendly? And I'm like, oh, I don't really know what you want to con- constitute as keto friendly. Um, I don't like putting chemicals in my body first and foremost. So if it's got a chemical in it, let's not even discuss it further. Um, and then we can kind of go through the rest of it. And then for those that are naturally occurring, because I know someone's listening to me say that right now and they're thinking, Stevie is natural. This is true. Stevie is natural. Um, is it naturally processed by the time you get it? And mm, probably not. But, you know, I've read the studies on some of the implications of, you know, what the impact is hormonally in stevia and why take the risk. It's not that big of a deal to me. I'd rather have regular sugar, you know, so um, I get it. I appreciate that. Really, I do. Well, what a lot of people don't realize is stevia is not a FDA approved for use in food. Uh, you, you know, every stevia pack has leaves on it and all. And I'm a I'm a big advocate of natural stuff. If you grew your own stevia plant and you crushed it up and, you know, put it in your tea, more power to you. There are alkaloids and other things in there that are probably beneficial. But the stuff in the pack, the stuff that is FDA approved for use as a sweetener is this chemically extracted steviaglycoside, you know, Reb A. And it's so far removed from the the leaf that I, I call it a, a artificial sweetener. I, I've kind of transitioned to non-caloric just to not fight that battle like, uh, you know, Ali Miller talks about them. But, you know, Dr. Bruce Fife wrote a good book uh, called The Stevia Deception, and it kind of applies to all the non-caloric sweeteners and their effect on the body and, you know, how they can spike insulin levels in a lot of people. And I know that if I eat something that's got a lot of sweetener in it, my sweet tooth is so sort of downwardly adjusted that if something is artificially or non-calorically sweetened, typically it's really sweet. And I'll end up with a, a blood sugar crash. I'll get shaky and I, you know, my blood sugar drops and I, I attribute that, I assume, to a spike in insulin as a response to that sweetness. So oh. I just avoid it. No, I love it. Absolutely. Um, Brittany, do you remember? I think it was the first episode where we talked about the fact that I would have my um, sugar-free rock stars or yeah. Red Bulls or whatever else. Um, and I totally attribute it to that. Um, as well as, you know, you're, you're sending insulin out looking for something that doesn't exist, right? You're asking your insulin to find sugar and you didn't have any. And now your, your, your crash is even worse than it would have been. Hence, they sell energy drinks two for $3, two for $4 or whatever, because you'll need another one. <laughs> you know, and I don't, I, I certainly don't say that with any judgment or like moral superiority. I drank diet soda for a long time when I was early keto, just because I thought I was doing the right thing. No, you're, listen. Ross, you're great, man. I'm saying it with judgment because now you've heard me say it. <laughs> and so I judge you now if you're drinking those energy drinks that are making you crash because, you know, ignorance can't be bliss. Like at the end of the day, I just told you now, you know, if you continue to do it, I'm judging. <laughs> oh, all yeah, right. So 
If it helps people, that's good judgment. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's cool. We all have the ability to make choices, right? If I stuff chocolate cake in my mouth later on, I can't complain because my stomach hurts. That's just the reality of it. Um, I know. So, but having said that, I love it. Now, I mentioned a little bit earlier on that I was going to do something that had only been done kind of one other time. Um, and so I want to do that now. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. And then based on your responses, we'll then proceed. Okay, so buffalo, chili lime, or cheddar? Wait, do you want to go, Brittany? Because I know where I'm going. I mean, I feel like I should say cheddar, but buffalo is my answer. Yeah, okay. buffalo. That's uh, I love. I just had a bag of the cheddar before the podcast. The chili lime is really, really good, but the buffalo is far and away the the consumer favorite. We sold out of that first off. Okay, so for those of you listening, you can't see this, but I just <laughs> held up a bag of the Buffalo Keto Crunch from F-Bomb. So a couple of things I want to go through right now because this is important to me. Um, Ross, how many bags of Keto Crunch have you sent me? Uh, none. In fact, I'm surprised you have the Buffalo. They're hard to get right now. <laughs> exactly. Ross hasn't sent me any of these things. Um, I say that because I feel sometimes we are, you know, we, we look at our feed and something will come up and they're like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, you should go buy this. And at the end of the day, I, I listen, I will promote products if they're good products. I'm, don't get me wrong. But I do not have you on here because you sent me some stuff and I wanted to highlight F-Bomb. You were on this podcast because I love your product and I wanted to be able to let everyone that listens recognize that if you're trying to find quality, this is a good place to look. So that's that. Having said that, I have absolutely never tasted the Keto Crunch at all. So we are going to do Drug it right roll now. here. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's sealed. You guys can vouch and see that it is, it is sealed. I have not opened it. So I'm going to open it now. And then I'm going to give my honest review and feedback on how it tastes. First, let's, let's look at the nutrition facts. I feel like we should do that. So um, seven crisps. There's two servings per container. So estimated about average, there's 14 crisps in here. Calories per serving, 160. There's 13 grams of fat. There is one gram of carbohydrates, less than a gram of dietary fiber, which I love, absolutely no sugar, and nine grams of protein. So as I always tell people, whatever the majority of the macronutrient is, is what you're eating. So I'm about to eat some fat, which is great. Uh, more importantly, though, we're going to look at the ingredients, and it's a very, very small list. So, you know, pasteurized milk, cheese cultures, microbial coagulant, natural herbs and spices, onion, red pepper, salt, oregano, and of course it says contains milk. Because it's cheese, and I would hope it would. So, um, I love it. So let's open it and see what the deal is. Buffalo. You guys can't hear that. I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> Smells oh, great. It'll be crunchy on the bike too. Well, that's. A, I mean, listen. This is real. This is happening. <laughs> the name is appropriate. Keto Crunch. Man, these things are phenomenal. Wow, I'm sorry. I guess people are like, we don't want to listen to dead air. I can edit the dead air out. Wow, well, this there's is no dead air. We hear the crunching. <laughs> this is so good. Okay, so I can only compare this to another cheese crisp that I had, which would be from um, Wisp. So there's no aftertaste to this at all. Finish super clean. Um, for those of you that are worried about buffalo being spicy, well, it's not spicy, but it is packed with flavor. Man, that's so good. Um, this is this is really good. Okay, so background story on these things. Why did you guys decide you wanted to come up with cheese crisps? If you can say who makes them for you, awesome. If you cannot, that's cool too. 
But man, hats off. Good job. This is I'm working tonight and I'm going to finish that entire bag. Oh, good. No, I am not allowed to say we have a, a non-disclosure agreement, unfortunately, but I I really respect them as a family and, you know, they're they're sort of focused on quality and, and it was a good fit. It's working out well for them and for us. Uh, These things are good, so man. When you, <laughs> Brittany and I could just, you know, sit here and watch you eat. No, see, I, I, I'm not even joking right now. I'm sitting here trying to exercise self-restraint because I want to just <laughs> mute my microphone and eat another one. But I feel like something profound will be said and I'll be too busy crunching so I can't come back in. But this is, I mean, I'm staring at them like they are they are so good. Um, like, see, like, man, good job. These are really good. Hey, thanks. Well, you can be assured if it's me talking, there will be nothing profound. But, you know, when you're keto, I mean, you can eat. You could eat cheese. There's a lot of soft stuff that's keto and finding crispy, salty, sort of that satisfying, crunchy snack is is often a challenge. And if I if if I eat if I have a weakness, you know, it's we live in Arizona, great Mexican food restaurants and, you know, the chips and the salsa. And we've got a place that got eight different salsas. And I just know that each of those corn chips I eat is a gram of carbs and you know, I might have 20 or 30 grams of carbs and that's sort of my weakness in the, the keto world. And so knowing that we have an offering, you know, something that's crispy and crunchy and salty and tasty that doesn't have any or, you know, very few grams of carbs. Uh, it, it was sort of a necessity and we're working on a bar too, you know, something portable that's a little, you know, easier to eat than the packets and you know, but this, we just want to focus on things that are that are in all the niches, but, you know, just real food. Listen, these things are incredible. Um, I will say this. Brittany and I are both fat kids at heart, man. Um, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how much weight oh, I've ever chips lost. Chips and salsa, I, I'm right there with you. I'm like, as you're saying that, I'm like, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. On that. So, yeah. So my weakness whenever I've had a cheat has been um, this stuff called Munchies Mix, which is cheddar in flavor. It's got a ton of garbage in it. Um, wow. but I, I love, I love those things. So this is totally beat that by far. Um, I absolutely, I, man, I can't say enough how much I love those things. So go get them. Um, and then Brittany, I don't want to tell the world, but can you please tell everyone what Mexican weakness you have? I mean, chips and salsa, tacos, guacamole, you name it. Like I love yeah. it all. I was talking, I was talking, yeah, I was going to say tacos, I think is the, the number one thing. So either way, I mean, this is like. Oh, dude, this was so good. Thank you for that. Um, ah, well, thank it. you. You know, they're also really good if you crumble them up on top of a salad in place of croutons. If you want that crunch in a salad. When you, you were know. talking about the crunch or yeah. the lack of it, like that's definitely the, the lack of texture or layers of texture in food has been one of the things that um, in keto I've struggled with. So I was saying, I was like, oh, you could crunch that on top of all sorts of things and give it just get away from just the soft or mushy thing that happens in a lot of the keto food man they're good you're Brittany. you will like them um you can't have any of the buffalo but that's rude i'm I'm, you want me to be honest i don't lie um okay so thank you yeah no thank you okay so all right so now you you're up and running you're starting this meat product why have you decided to continue diversifying like what are what are the reasons behind that and how have you gone about doing it well from the start we kind of had a list what what are we missing You know, when you go out to a restaurant, what do you need if you're keto, if you're not home? I mean, if you're home, you can get a beautiful bottle of olive oil, 
uh, bottle or jar of coconut oil. But if you're out at a restaurant, you may be stuck with the salad dressing at that restaurant. And so you can get a burger and hold the bun and you've got your protein and some fat. You get a salad, so you've got some good veggies. But most of the salad dressings, even if you ask the restaurant for just olive oil, you don't know if it's real or if it's oxidized or rancid. So, you know, we started with that. We wanted oils. We are working on salad dressings. We've got the formulas locked in. They are all natural, really tasty, nothing artificial at all. Uh, we're pretty excited about that. You know, so as we're looking at what is it we want to eat, what is it our customers want to eat, we're just heading in those directions. You know, we'll never have yogurt because I you know, how can I compete with Peak? I mean, they do a great job and love their stuff. And, you know, there's some other people out there that we really, really respect and we don't want to intrude or step on any toes. But where we see an opening or something that maybe doesn't exactly fit sort of that clean food, real food keto mold that we try to stay within, uh, we'll try to offer something there and hopefully it'll work. I love it. Well, it's going to work if I have anything to say about it, because I'm going to buy as much <laughs> as I possibly can. Well, thank you. Oh, yeah, for serious. That's just, man, I just keep staring at the bag thinking it was so good and I can't wait to get back to it. Um, you know, so if there's anything that you want people to know when they're when they're purchasing F-Bomb about you and your family and the process behind this and the employees that you have working with you, you know, what would what would that be? What's what's the key takeaway? You know, this is your opportunity to, you know, tell everyone that is supporting by spending their money what you'd want them to know as they, you know, purchase your products? I think more than anything is that we care and we're very touched and humbled by some of the feedback we get. You know, we, we see people, I know you, you know, Allie Miller and, uh, you know, we see Allie who we have a ton of respect for or Danny Vega and Maura uh, posting pictures of their kids eating our products. And we just think, wow, you know, that kind of trust for a parent to trust their child's nutrition or health with, you know, our products is, is really very touching. And we read the reviews when people post reviews, uh, Keep in mind, we are real people, too. You know, we have feelings. Uh, somebody yesterday posted on Amazon that they placed an order on Amazon. Amazon sent them the wrong boxes, and they posted a thing about, don't buy from these people. They're sending you the wrong stuff. It was like, I, I wish we could control what Amazon sends you. But, you know, if there's ever a problem, if you don't like it, if you don't want to squish up the pack and mix everything together, let us know. We'll we'll make it right. And you know, just knowing that there are real people behind the company, I think, is is probably the most important message. We're just we're flattered by the support and honored by, you know, some of the the people we've been able to develop friendships with. And that's more than anything, I think, the most rewarding part of this. Oh, I love it. So that's exactly I mean, you know, that's the whole purpose of this, right? There are people behind the product and I want I want people to be able to have a connection, even if it is through this podcast to connect with um, the tailors. Because, you know, they're not they're not just buying a product. They are, you know, connected to you with everything that you're doing. And um, have you ever had any? I feel like I know the answer to this question. What's your craziest manufacturing mishap that's happened, whether it be recent or a long time ago um, that you think is worth mentioning? Well, early on, we uh, had 6000 of those labels we put on and sent out packs without realizing that there was a pretty glaring typo on a, you know, it said no added sugar, A-D-D-D-E-D. <laughs> so we, we joked, we posted about, you know, now with extra vitamin D. But, oh, uh, man. It was a customer that caught that, you know, and we, uh, 
oh, we've, uh, we've, you know, printed packs with the, the label offset, you know, or, or, you know, we didn't have the registration right. And we end up giving away a lot of packs that aren't perfect. But yeah, I think that that typo was our, our biggest one. You know, we've never, we've not had any recalls or anything like that. And we're really conscious about, you know, quality and we make things here, you know, we're not outsourcing our, our nut butters and stuff, except the th- like the cheese crisp, that's not our area of expertise. But if somebody's in Flagstaff, Arizona, and they want to visit our factory, we would love to show them around. I did that with two people this morning. So sounds like I need to make a trip. Um, so oh, come on out anytime. I would love that. What is so I guess my next biggest thing is, so you're manufacturing things there in Flagstaff. Um, and you outsource correctly. What made you want to say, I think I know the answer to this question, having spoken to you enough now, Ross, but what made you say, we want to provide this product and it's probably best for us to outsource someone that's doing this well, as opposed to you guys making your own cheese crisp. Why don't you do that? I just, I recognize where, where people do things well. And, uh, that's not something, I mean, neither Karen or I had a food background. We've learned nuts and the market and that kind of stuff, I think pretty well. But uh, there are some some things where it's best just to rely on other people who know better, you know. I, hey, I agree. I definitely agree. And I always say four strands of a rope. You know, if you use those people that are doing those things well and they're in their lane perfecting that, why not, you know, work together to get those things done? I think that that only helps us as consumers, you know, get a better product that stays um, on top of its game. So absolutely awesome. Brittany, anything from you? Questions considered uh, other than can you have some of my buffalo? Because that's don't even. I was ask. actually just going to say, I was like, I'm coming over tonight to hang out with Reese, so I need you to save a couple of those. Yeah, that's not happening. I know. It was worth a try, though. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I can tell you where I got them from. I did have to search high and low. But um, they may have they may not have a bag left now, but uh, they did earlier. So there might be a chance for you to get another one. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'll have to go check it out. Uh, no, but Ross, thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, really good to hear uh, what your guys's vision and heart is behind your products. Um, and to be able to know that when you eat your products, that it really is um, as natural as it's going to be able to be uh, and not that you're not willing to compromise or add in things just to maybe get some better reviews. And I'm sorry that people leave you not very kind reviews. <laughs> Everyone, it seems every- to be an Amazon thing. But thank you, Brittany. You know, I, we used to have love listed as one of our ingredients uh, on our original packaging. It had the ingredients and then we put a period and then add love and love thinking that, you know, if we had that period in there, the FDA would let us get away with it because it wasn't really an ingredient. But they still they wouldn't let us. So we had to take it off. But the love is still in there, folks. It's still there. That's awesome. And for any of my law enforcement officers, first responders listening, listen, I there's no excuse for you to go into your local convenience store and eat garbage. Keto Crunch, I'm telling you, it's amazing. Pack that with one of the uh, nut butters and rock out because they're, they're absolutely fantastic. I can only imagine drinking this with a cup of coffee and then eating the salty and having the Keto Crunch to follow it. I mean, this is... This is great. That's, uh, oh. It's pretty good. And then, you know, as you know, we do have a 15% first responder law enforcement, you know, firefighter discounts. And if you are on our little checkout page and you see that icon, that young motor officer, that was me back in the day. Boom. So now you really have no excuse. I did. I forgot <laughs> to, to say that. So, yeah, definitely do that. And, um, you know, I'm definitely going to have to buy some of these and put them in my go bag because they're good. 
All right, Ross, thank you so much for taking the time out. We appreciate it. Um, is there anything else in parting words that you'd like to say? No, just uh, Kara and I both really appreciate this opportunity. We are flattered. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Neo. Love what you're doing. And if we can help you and spread that message at all and what you know efforts you're doing, if we can help multiply that in any way, let us know. We appreciate it. I was a little nervous yep. that you're going to drop an F-bomb. So thank you for not doing that. No, no, no. We do that in a good way because, you know, F is for fat, right? Yes, yes. I love it. F is for fat. That should be, if you don't put that on a t-shirt, F is for fat, and then don't drop an F-bomb, something like that. I don't know. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Good, Good night, everyone. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to episode 22. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed the lovely buffalo flavored keto crunch. Ross and the family over at F-Bomb had decided to give all listeners a discount of 20% off on your next order at fatbomb.com. Go to fatbomb.com and on checkout, put in discount code KETONEO, K-E-T-O-N-E-O for your 20% off. Thank you so much and I'll catch you on the next episode. The Keto Matrix Podcast, where myths are busted, science is explained, and the keto lifestyle is discussed by industry experts experts and everyday people alike. For more information and support, go to theketomatrix.com.